Yeah, another Wednesday. We're joined by our vet, Dr. Robert Stabler. Hello, Dr. Bob. How are you today? Good. I'm well, thank you. Good to have you here. Now, what about a topic for you? We're going to talk about social aggression. So when your dog is not happy about other dogs that it doesn't know, what can we do about that? We see this from time to time, don't we? Oh, yeah. Especially when we're out walking the dog. And it's very scary for the dog, when you think about it, that there's all these different shapes of other dogs and they just don't know what's going on and the people get worried and the dog gets worried and the dog gets worried because the people are worried. (laughs) But hopefully we'll try and calm everything down. We'll find out about that. That's coming up today. And also, Daniel Carrington, welcome back. Good to have you here. Thank you very much, Dave. It's great to be back. Do you have a special guest that we'll be talking to We today? do. We'll be talking to our friends at the Australian Reptile Park on the Central Coast because they've got some great things that have happened with their pets at the, at the present moment. And Daniel Carrington, a special guest joining us now. We do. We've got our friends from the Australian Reptile Park on the Central Coast on the line. Hi, Libby. How are you? Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Great. Now, lots of things are happening at the moment at the Australian Reptile Park. Lots of babies and birthdays. Tell us a little bit about it. Well, you know, it's springtime and springtime means babies. So we've got lots and lots of babies. We've got koala joeys that are just out on mum's back. Our dingo puppies are arriving in the next couple of weeks and they're, they're in, it, hugely, hugely popular. We've got a little orphan uh, kangaroo joey uh, who's being bottle fed four times a day. And we've got Tasmanian devils, tiny, tiny Tasmanian devils that are also being bottle fed by our keepers. So... A busy time of year for our keepers. Wow, okay. Now, let's go back from where you finished off, the Tasmanian Devils. Now, that's part of a project with Devil Ark, isn't it? Yeah, so Devil Ark was started by the Reptile Park about four years ago now. We've just come to the end of our fourth successful breeding uh, season, and we have 30 new babies, 30 new joeys up there at Devil Ark. 30? Wow, that's a lot. And all 30 are now being bottle-fed, did you say? No, no, we just, uh, sometimes we hand raise uh, Tasmanian Devil Joeys for a variety of reasons. Uh, The most common is to help mum if she's having uh, trouble with four. The Tasmanian Devil can have up to four babies in her pouch. And if she's struggling at all, we we may uh, take two and hand raise them and and bottle feed them and, and then integrate them back into Devil Ark as they get older. Okay, so they might not, some, will some possibly stay there and some will go or, or they're all going to go? Well, at Devil Ark, it's part of a breeding program. So there are 37 zoos all across Australia involved in the, um, in the breeding program and we're, we're working with so many zoos because we're trying to genetically pair the devils because strong genetics means a really high uh, chance of survival in the wild. So our devils go to other zoos and some other zoos send devils to us and and then the plan is that once the um, transmissible cancer called devil facial tumour disease, which is wiping out the population down in Tasmania, once the last devil's gone, we'll start repopulating healthy devils that are disease-free back into the wild in Tasmania. That's such a good project. It's such a great project, one that we're, we work really hard and we're really proud of it. Uh, and when do you think that would, uh, might happen where you reintroduce the species into Tasmania, the healthy species? Look, there's a chance that it may be as early as next year. There are some uh, areas on peninsula, some peninsulas in Tasmania that have been declared disease-free. And some of our joeys may be going back or some of our devils may be going back as early as next year. Oh, wow, so that's soon. That's really good. And, ha- and how old would those devils be when they're reintroduced? Oh, they could be. They won't be um, tiny, but they'll be um, probably breeding age, so two to three years old. 
Okay, so that, that and then they're just reintroduced as a family, as a group, and it goes starts from there, and they're back in the wild. Yeah, that's right, and then they'll go on to breed between themselves, and, and it's all, um, as I said, genetically managed. Now, in regards to koalas, so how many uh, joey koalas do you have? We've got four joey koalas here at the moment. Four, and how old are they? They're, they're uh, almost a year old, but... They stay in the pouch for a, a very long time. They're born very, very tiny, like most marsupials. They stay in the pouch a long time, and now they're venturing out on mum's back. So it takes almost a year for that to start happening. Yeah, that's right. Wow, it's a, it is a long process. It is definitely. Um, and do you do do your staff um, are they able to handle the the joey koalas? We run photo sessions with the koalas. Um, here at the park twice a day. Mm -hmm. So we have some very um, small, friendly, cute, cuddly um, koalas that we use in the photo sessions. So our, um, our keepers are handling them from a very young age. And when you say photo sessions, is that like members of the public can hold those, those babies? That's right. They can't, it's illegal to hold a koala in New South Wales, right. unlike Queensland, right. but you can get right up close to the koala. We've got photographers here who'll take a beautiful photo for you and it's a take-home gift. That's interesting. Why is it illegal in New South Wales? It, it, departments work differently in each state and it's legal in Queensland for whatever reason and illegal in New South Wales for whatever reason. It's the departments, yes. the, the government departments. Oh, that's an interesting thing. I'll have to look that up and see why. That, <laughs> that uh, got my attention. But now, look, if you've ever seen a koala's claw... Yes. I don't think I'd like to hold one anyway, really. <laughs> I think your handlers have to have special gloves, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, I mean, you, a koala can be quite nasty. Okay. So, you know, we have these cuddly images of koalas, but it's not necessarily so. No, no, that's true. So maybe at the moment we're feeling lucky that we're living in New South Wales and not in Queensland. <laughs> okay. <laughs> one final question about one of uh, your other pets, the Galapagos tortoise. That's Hugo. Hugo is our beautiful, he's one of our uh, most popular uh, animals here at the Reptile Park. He's turning 64 years old this year. Wow. But he's just, a, he's just a youngster because it's expected that he'll live until he's about 180 years old. Oh, lucky him. Yeah. He's, he's going to see a lot of different things. Now, yeah, how he heavy definitely is he? Has. He is 165 kilos. Wow, okay. Yes. Now, how did the park um, end up getting Hugo? Hugo came to us from a zoo in Switzerland over 50 years ago. So oh. Hugo's been with the park uh, for, for decades, and, and as I said, he's one of the most popular exhibits. Um, Hugo, we can't keep him in his enclosure because he loves to interact with people, oh. and so we send him on a walk through the park every single day <laughs> so the kids can get up close to him and touch his shell and, and talk to the keepers and learn all about him. That's the great thing about the reptile park is... Our keepers are so enthusiastic about the animals that they care for that they're always uh, open to having a chat and to educating the kids about yes. the, the animals. Oh, that's so great. So he gets his uh, morning exercise done by having a walk through the park. He definitely does. And if he's lucky, his favourite coloured food is orange. So we <laughs> feed him as a treat sweet potato or pumpkin or carrots. Oh, he's a good guy then because, you know, my favourite colour is orange too. Oh, well, there you go. 
<laughs> You're like peas in a pod. Yes. I'll, <laughs> I'll have to come around and meet Hugo one day. Definitely. Come and have a photo with Hugo. Well, thank you very much for your time, Libby. That was a great catch-up, and we'll talk again soon. My pleasure. Thanks so much for having me. You're welcome. Vet Dr. Robert Staber is here. Now, Dr. Bob, I've got someone on the phone waiting to talk to you, and it's from Cardiff South. It's Patricia. Patricia, how can I help you? I have a problem with my little pussycat that likes fresh flowers. To eat or to sniff? Choose the greenery that you get in the fresh flowers. Oh. And and just when you put the flowers inside in a vase or outside yes. in the garden? No, it's an indoor cat. It's just when we get fresh flowers, it likes to have a chew of the greenery. And so it's only inside, so it mm. doesn't get out to get any grass at all? No. Long-haired cat? Um, Not really, just short hair? Yeah, just the short hair. Sometimes they can get sort of furball issues, so it's good if they actually either vomit furballs back up from, and they get that from over-grooming, licking and licking all the fur to clean themselves up. And that's why they sometimes eat grass when they go outside. Some people actually have a little um, patch of grass that they bring in, a, like an old little litter tray or something, and the cat likes to have a munch on that. Or you can have, use a, a diet food, um, hairball control food, and that helps to actually settle the tummy. Or it can be just maybe a fetish. That the well, it's only fresh flowers, but <laughs> yeah, so you can have artificial flowers there and it won't worry it. As soon as yeah. you put fresh ones... It's, yeah, just um, likes the greenery and, yeah. and, and thinks it's really... Well, fresh is best. Well, fresh is best, of course, yes. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and my wife's loving that I'm out getting out in the garden and growing flowers and stuff and she can wander out and pick them. But if you're worried about it, it's probably not a great issue as long as there's no toxic plants um, that are coming into the house. But maybe try a furball control diet to see if that changes it. Interrupt and redirect. Give her toys to play with and maybe put the, the vase in a safe place so she's not going to knock it over the telly. Well, I usually put the flowers in the shower when everyone's finished at night. <laughs> oh, that bad. Okay. That bad. Otherwise, you get these little bits of uh, where she's the... been chewing through the night. Uh, the other alternative is to lock her into the laundry without or the bathroom without the flowers because that actually helps them to be more social through the day. Sometimes they actually get, yeah... A little she bit over the top. Most of the day. <laughs> ah, well, we need to keep her busy during the day so she sleeps better at night. Cats are actually crepuscular, which means that they're more active at dawn and dusk because they can get both the nighttime and the daytime animals. Oh, okay. Thanks, Patricia. You have a Thank good day. You. All right, and joining us right now, Melissa. Hello. Oh, hello. Thanks for taking my call. How can we help you? Uh, we have a pet rabbit. Yep. Um, she lives inside. She's a across a mini lop. Uh, Angora, so she's very, very fluffy. Yep. And she has a lot of fur underneath her chin. And the last time I had her at the vet, I actually asked them, could they clip her? And the clippers freaked her out. Yep. So is there anything else we can do? Um, to, like, do we have to use scissors to cut the, the fur away? Because what about shaving? Do you think you can... <laughs> Dave, be sensible. The problem with rabbits is that, yeah, they, they are a bit more nervous and that, that's what keeps them alive in the wild. Yes. Um, but I would certainly, if she is, as you said, Angora, it is going to be a very, um, a coat that's very um, strong. I was going to say knotty, but that's not nice. Well, if, if it's not groomed, it will get you, matted. And that's yes. what I was going to say. You need and to brush regularly mm. all over, and that includes underneath the chin, maybe if there's folds there, make sure you get the brush going all along there. 
Getting used to clippers, it's like hairdryer. You do it from a distance. So the hairdryer's on in a different room Mm -hmm. and then you gradually bring it closer while she's eating something. Mm -hmm. Um, And if she stops eating, then you know that you've come too far too quick. So you do it really slowly. It may be that she has to actually be anaesthetised um, and, and knocked out to actually have that fur clipped off. There, there are, I'm not sure. I guess if it was done at the vet clinic, I'm not sure whether they would have used a large clipper set or a little battery-operated clipper set. Yeah. And the large ones tend to make quite a bit more noise than the little battery-operated ones. I so did try a little battery-operated one that I bought from the supermarket yes. and um, it wouldn't cut her fur. Oh, okay, it was that <laughs> thick, yeah, yeah. Okay, can I just say, though, there are different kinds and different quality, operate, um, quality battery-operated ones. And, right. Uh, the price is what will tell you what's better. Um, so there are ones that are quite good that are closer to the $100 mark that would okay. be able to do it easily, but there are cheap ones out there for $20 that, yes, they wouldn't do. All they're good for is just a little bit around the eyes or about yep. around the nose or the toes for just that basic trimming. And the important thing with clippers as well is to maintain them well. Mm. Yes. I, I'm, I'm a little bit obsessive perhaps, but whenever I'm at work, I, I'm always the one who's cleaning the clippers, sure. making sure they're the sharp blades, make sure there's no broken teeth. And just maintenance, WD-40 or, so, or something on them, just oil so up, that they're all nice, bit, yeah. all yes. nice and clean. And so it's <laughs> yeah. very important. But yeah, certainly um, with diet as well, I tend to have some more roughage in there so that they're munching on other things. So that if they are licking and grooming themselves, they can actually get it going through as well. So Yes, yeah, because we do get the string of pearls. <laughs> <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Um, and and it's it's good inside. It doesn't eat the, the cords and the tele and the phone cord and things. She's mostly got her own area. Um, good, yeah. But she she's getting a lot better with some um, chewing things. Loves yep. paper. Yep. Can't have paper anywhere because she really goes for that. And um, she really loves having a, a, her own box in yes. her area. And um, she needs multiple boxes, so she's got different options. Yes. Um, just as I've been thinking about it, Dr. Bob, too, there are. Uh, grooming tools available that won't yes. make a noise um, that are like a dematter and also there's one with actually a blade in it. Oh. A stripper. A yeah. stripper. Um, and that might be an option because yeah. they won't make any noise. So you just gently hold your rabbit and then you use the stripper to strip that coat from the front or from the chin. Um, maybe that might be an option. But be very careful with the folds of the skin, especially mm. if it is a... Um, the yes. mini lop, I think, has a few extra folds. So just, yeah, yeah, yeah. make sure you're very careful because that, yeah, won't in- encourage her to accept grooming if it doesn't, <laughs> isn't a good experience. But, yeah, holding firm, head maybe tucked under the elbow, long, slow strokes, yes. breathe deeply. The more calm you are, the more calm the rabbit is, and help it to be an enjoyable experience for both. This week, Dr. Robert Stabler, and we've got someone on the line for you right now from Kilburn Bay. It's Marsha. Marsha. Yes. How can I help you? Yes, uh, good afternoon. I nearly said morning, it's afternoon. Um, I have a border collie pup. He's almost four months old. Yep. Um, he likes to hump everybody's leg. Has he been desexed yet? Not yet, no. How early can I get him desexed? Tomorrow would be nice. <laughs> the earlier the better It is that some animals Little terriers are more likely to be a bit randy Am I allowed to say randy on air? You can say it um, I would say randy, yes uh, Earlier than the, than the bigger dogs Border collies Depends oh. on, the, on the personality Sometimes they can be a bit pushy So it's partly reproductive Partly controlled gesture 
but I would ask your local vet if they're able to do it a bit earlier than normal, normally around six months, but most uh, rescue organisations do desex puppies and kittens at eight weeks of age, partly because oh. when they sell them, they know they're already desex. They're not going to contribute to the dog and cat overpopulation yes, problem. Yes. So they can be done at six months. I'm happy with that. Four months, yeah. Now. Oh, four months can yep. be. Yes, yeah. All oh, right then, yes. But his, the important... father, his father, um, six years old or so, never desex, and, and he used to do this. Anybody, anything, any animal. Yeah, <laughs> so is the father still, is the father still there? Have a go. Is the father um, still in the yard or...? No, 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 he lives separately. Okay, good, because if he is in the same yard, certainly uh, an undesexed male and a new male puppy, you need to get the puppy desexed and, in fact, the older male as well to reduce the potential for male-male rivalry. So it's competition, blokes in the pub yeah. on a Friday night sort of stuff. <laughs> and so as that testosterone starts to flow and it, it builds up over... Um, two months to about 12 months of age is when sometimes they will cock their leg if they haven't done it before um, because of the basically developmental life stage change and the increase in the testosterone. That's when you're going to see that rivalry get worse, so much better to desex early. Plus, if he is doing it to your leg, put him on lead, um, focus him on toys or training or back on his bed. Don't let him practice the problem. Otherwise, it can, yeah, they can get quite, in fact, bite and stuff when they're doing it. Coming up in five minutes' time, we have our Rescue Pet of the Week with Sarah Farley-Adams joining us for that. Rescue Pet of the Week, that's around quarter to one. Today we're talking about social aggression in dogs, Dr Bob. Yes, it's just that um, I guess we're all different. And so dogs' personalities are different as well. So they will actually um, prefer to hang around. They, they are a bit breedist. So we're just talking to a Border Collie owner. So Border Collies tend to hang out with other Border Collies. Why? They look like them. They play like them, and so it's a bit more familiar, so they feel more comfortable as we hang around our friends that, that think or do similar things that we do. So, so if a big dog looks at a little tiny dog like a chihuahua, uh, does it recognise that, oh, that's still a dog, or does it... Mostly does it they think, do. What is that? It's that's the sense of smell that is mind-boggling. They yeah. know that that's a dog or a cat or a rabbit. As I said, the male-male competition thing, they tend to forget. So they try and overmark the fox that wheezes on the front steps and the cat that wheezes there. The dog will still overmark and wee on it to try and claim territory. But it's, they do recognise other animals. It may have been that they've had a bad experience with a particular animal, either a black animal or a particular breed. Um, you will find mostly in the park they'll sort of get on okay, but the important thing is to get them used to other dogs early. Other These days with keeping all our animals behind the fences, which is good, we get less dog attacks, but it means they're more isolated, they're not socialised, they're not used to doing the play, and that's why puppy preschool and obedience and walking groups are all good things. But I often go to people's houses and it is just really hard. It's the same as people we don't get on with everybody. So your dog is not going to get on with every single dog it sees. And when they're on lead, they tend to be partly wanting to protect you, partly not knowing whether the other dog's going to go for them. There's a whole lot of question marks, so they don't actually know what to do and what's appropriate. So it's better to try and train them to be calm and settled at home, calm and settled in the backyard, front yard, on the footpath, and then on walks. And if it is that your dog is very reactive, well, don't go where angels fear to tread. Don't go out to the dog park where there's lots of dogs racing around and doing crazy stuff. Stay away from those areas until your dog is starting to be more responsive to you with training and then have a compatible, hopefully um, an animal that's yeah, sort of similar or, or um, is a happy, bouncy, golden retriever type personality 
and they're happy to introduce to that. That builds confidence to then accept other animals. We welcome in Sarah Farley Adams with our pet rescue animal of the week. Hello, how good is it to have Dr. Bob here and it Denny is. back? It's Great. just awesome. We're loving it. It's a good show today. Oh. If you're listening, if you're listening, it's your lucky day, isn't it? Yeah, yeah we're all feeling very pumped. <laughs> There's a good vibe in the studio. No, off here, they're talking about babies. <laughs> I said this is a pet show. <laughs> I'm just saying that the baby wanted ice cream again today. Yeah. Not me, of course. <laughs> Look, we've got a beautiful dog today. Ziggy is our pet of the week. Cool name. Great name. Yeah, Great I wonder name. if it's Stardust as a surname. Or Marley. You can, <laughs> could be. You can check him out at 2NURFM.com by going to our pet chat. Um, but Ziggy is a 12-month-old Brindle Staffy Cross, and he is a true snuggler. And who doesn't like a snuggler, particularly <laughs> when it's cold at the moment? He'll sit next to you or climb onto your lap if you give him the chance he'll be on your lap every opportunity to have a cuddle and he really does love getting the belly rubbed as do I at the moment it's fantastic Um, he's also very energetic and ready to play with anyone or any dog Denny's rubbing my belly you're going to put me to sleep you better stop it (laughs) (laughs) there a kick (laughs) Um, He loves people and he really does adore children. So he's the perfect dog. Um, He's learning to play fetch, but he needs a little bit more practice bringing the ball back. (laughs) So he's getting there. He needs plenty of exercise, such as a daily walk and a trip to the beach on the weekend is his favourite. He also needs challenging toys to exercise his mind. So he is an active pooch. He loves to play tug-of-war with other people and other dogs. He craves companionship and he would be very well suited to a family that possibly already has a dog. Um, or an energetic owner that will put in the time and and play with their four-legged friend. He's not a barker, which is great, um, and he has access to indoors and needs to be allowed to spend time inside with his family. So he can be outdoors, but a bit of inside as well. Um, He's learnt to sit for all meals. He's doing some training, and he's learnt to stay on command. So he is a quick learner. He's a beautiful boy. Uh, Ziggy's adoption fee is $300, which includes his dissexing vaccinations, worm um, and flea treatments, microchip, and a lifetime registration. And we can see his pictures on the website, can't we? You certainly can, yeah. Go check him out. There's um, a little montage of him. He's very cute. Now, he's a cross staffy. Yes. Staffy cross. And we know with staffies, they very much uh, love to be with the family. They're people dogs, aren't they? They're people people. dogs. They're very loyal to the family and they have a sense of belonging in that family. So that's why he likes to be indoors as well. And he likes to spend time with the family. They're very much uh, that type of dog. aren't they? They're big sooks at heart. And they are the number one breed in the country at the moment. Smiley dogs. They always look like smiling. I didn't realise that. Yes, because they make such great pets. Fantastic. Mm. Yep. Oh, well, there so you Ziggy go, will go well, we hope. Yes. We hope he'll go Fingers well. crossed, and I'll update you how Ziggy goes. Right, but yeah. if you're in the market for a dog, please consider Ziggy. Come and have a look at the website at him. That is great. Now, thank you, Sarah. Thank you very much. Good to see you all. We do that every week. Sarah Farley Adams joins us with our Pet Rescue Animal of the Week. Now, Denny, you've got a couple of questions for Dr. Bob, haven't you? Uh, some do. trouble with your Weimaraners. Uh, people well, that have bought them have got concerns yeah, about them. That's right. There's um, Rejecting them? Uh, no, not rejecting them. I think no, they are. <laughs> Weimaraners. Weimaraners are very active dogs, as we know. So sometimes they balance on balls. I've seen a picture of one balancing on. This family has two Weimaraners, one male and one female, and and she's emailed me and is is saying along the lines of that um, the female seems to be the one that's the boss. She's in charge. Um, Normal. But the male seems to be very has a very anxious disposition. And her vet has commented that he's clearly a little insecure and could almost benefit from Prozac. 
He pees on everything, probably in an attempt to mark his authority, as despite his efforts, the female is the alpha male. And his marking is, a pro- is problematic because it's on furniture, on children's toys, um, and they, you know, they end up having to throw out a lot of, um, a lot of these toys uh, that are marked because of damage. So what I wanted to do, to do was ask Dr. Bob, what, in that environment with the two dogs, what would you do to stop this from happening? Danny, are they both entire or are they desexed? We don't have that information okay. at this stage. Urine marking is just so easily, if they're not going to breed with them, desexing will yes. reduce 70% of the urine marking um, problems. I would say at least one of them would be desexed yep. because having a male and female is a bit risky. Yes. Yes. Um, unless you want a patter of little wimer on her feet wandering around everywhere. So if they are already desexed, then what do we do? The important thing is to help them to feel comfortable in that relationship. And it is that the girls are usually in charge. The girls often will um, manage the access to owners. The boys, again, mainly genetically, they're more likely to be on the guard duty sort of role, wandering around the outside. Marking the toys or the furniture is that there's some hierarchy issues, more with the people, I think, than the, anim- mm-hmm. than the, than the girl. It could be a, a flow over sort of effect that he's being a bit bullied, so he thinks he has to do something. But I... You haven't had any of that in... Are they brother and sister? Are they from no, different... No, they're not. Yeah. Different litters. Different, different ages different, or... Different ages. Yeah. Yes. So it's important that the people understand what's going on with the animals. They observe them more. They look and see what's happening. Interrupt early. If they see the animal sort of sniffing around, the boy especially, then you take him outside mm-hmm. on lead, especially at the front where there's more smells of other animals, where they're more likely to want to... He's more likely to want to mark territory. Back in on lead and he has to be on lead next to you for a little bit, so he's being sensible, then he's allowed off lead again. So, as we are saying before, it's good to have time inside and time outside. Um, If the female just sort of keeps him in line, um, mostly that's just with a death stare, as as I know. Mm. Um, Yes, that's true. (laughs) Then then it's that things are okay, and they usually accept that. What we'd like also to do is to get him to actually redirect his, his frustration or anxiety to toys... So if he's so fearful that he's not actually playing with toys, that means, yeah, he may actually be a candidate for getting him checked out. He may need anti-anxiety medication as well as other management strategies. But play is so important. Same with us. The more we play, the more we exercise, the more we have a stress outlet. Mm -hmm. So it's really important for him to actually to be able to, to have those fun times. And sometimes, yeah, if there is a bit of rivalry there, respite time. So the girl's inside, the boy's out, gets a bone and stays there, and then they swap over. Mm. And so they actually have that time where they're apart. That way they enjoy being back together, the same as walks. Walk them separately and together. Mm. So they actually have that time So you're apart. saying have one inside and one outside. Yes. And then swap them around. That's right. And then at other times both inside. What mm. message does that send them in their mind? What do they think? Partly, the ones in and partly the big thing is that you want the people to be in the leadership role. Not dictatorship, not punishment, just saying, look, this is what's happening. It's, it really is about parenting. So it's leadership, respect, reasonable boundaries. So that means the owners need to also have some clear lines in terms of, as you're saying, the parenting, like this is okay, this is not okay. Consistency. Your time and out to be out, your time to be inside. That's this it. is your toy, not, not, that's, and that's yeah. not your toy. That's it. And that's the same. Uh, look, dogs don't understand superannuation. It's just there's too much reading to the, for them to understand. So... <laughs> You need to pay them for the rest of life, so you pay them to go outside. 
here's your bone, you can sit outside and eat this, we're inside, we might do a little bit of play and a bit of training, but you're outside. And it might be only five minutes or a minute or two to start with, and then you build up that time, mm. providing they don't get too anxious or over the top. And so the more you do that, the more they listen to you, you're exercising that leadership, asking them to respect you, and you're respecting them because you're understanding and observing and watching what they're doing. And is that why you recommend them when you bring him inside, put a lead on him? Just so that he knows he has to be near you. Mm -hmm. He's not allowed to roam and explore until you say it's okay. Yes, yes. So it's a parenting thing. You don't let them run and play near a pool when you're not supervising. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it sounds a bit like what the dogs are allowed to roam free. At the moment, yep. so yes, let's let's rein that back in. Just yeah, just some 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 nice, it, it's firm boundaries, but you know, not yanking them or anything, but mm -hmm. just showing. Yep, you have to sit here on this security blanket and be calm, long, slow massage-like strokes. Be settled, good dog. Now you can wander around. Uh, just not a bit worried about you sniffing a bit too much. Back to me, please. Yeah, It and sounds like not only the dogs have got something to learn, but the owners have got something to learn. It's here. what I talk about all day. It's asking the owners to watch the animal. The animals are already watching and learning what we do. So yes. we have to just tighten things up a bit. Some people more relaxed than others. Some, yeah. It always is. It's not always just the dog. Yeah. It's, it's a combination. The, it's a combination between yeah. owners and dog to learn to communicate better. Yeah and set up the authority. And it does take time to learn, because my wife's still waiting for me to mature after 30, <laughs> 30 years, so I think she has still a little bit of hope left. Very good, very good. What about any dog shows? Do we know of any dog shows locally on this weekend or next weekend? I haven't had a look yet, Dave. So what? <laughs> I would have hoped you'd be a little He's bit more prepared. He's just back, Dave. No be preparation kind. there. Lack of preparation. I planning, can, I planning. Can, if Dr. Bob talks a little bit longer, I can find out for you. Dog, 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 dog. Cat, cat, cat. No, not... Okay. Um, <laughs> very important to watch your animal because really it's so much more fun than watching telly, so much more interactive. People tell me all the time how bright their animals are and how they solve problems. Um, and my classic line to people is, yeah, 40 named toys. Mm. And they say to me, what? How will it do that? Just play with that toy. I want elephant. You play with elephant all over it. That doesn't happen overnight, though. It's, no, it's, it's time, time yeah. and reward and fun. And they remember the words. They look at your expression on the face. Even to deaf animals, they say, still talk as though you normally would because they're recognising your facial All right, we're nearly out of time, you guys. <laughs> Thank you for that. What about the uh, any shows on? I can't connect. No, nothing. Okay. Well, thank you, you guys, for today. Thank you. 